You're listening to the Fortnite Podcast. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the Fortnite Podcast. Your boy Monster Deface here bringing you guys another episode. Feel like I've been on a bit of a break, but we haven't really been on a break. I was just on uh, travels for work. Shout out to the boys. Was it Panda, actually? Connor and John Rush holding down the Practice Makes Perfect podcast while I was away. Yes, and of course, we take a small break from the Fortnite podcast because we need all of us to be there in person. SBG was traveling with us over in Copenhagen. We have a lot to talk about on that entire trip. Before we get into the episode, of course, I want to thank you guys for riding with us, sticking with us, and of course, supporting us episode to episode. We appreciate you guys, man. You see in the title, new season coming, retirement wave of players have hit the space. And I wish there was... Uh, everything else we could cover, but we'll try to squeeze in, of course, everything that's leading up to the in-person event, FNCS Grand, Last Chance Majors, all that good Fortnite news and details that you love to tune in for. So with that, let's go ahead and introduce the boys. We'll kick it off with Panda this week. What's up, my boy? Hey, man, listen, it's good to see you guys. Good to see your faces. Obviously, I get to see your faces. The audience just gets to hear your voices, but those are wonderful as well. So it's good to have both of you guys back in the States. Uh, getting to come back to the podcast was super cool. And obviously filling in on the Practice Make Perfect podcast was a lot of fun as well. If you guys listen only for this podcast and don't listen to the other one, listen to the last few weeks. You'll realize why Panda is your favorite commentator. Oh. Uh, listen, I made, some, I made some comments there but when I hosted, but nevertheless, it's good to be back. Good to have you guys back. Yeah, it's good fun, good fun. And of course, uh, somebody's gun. We got pretty much expedited back to the States. We're back at home. What's up, bro? Hey, what's going on, boys? Good to be back. Uh, Should have been back yesterday, but, you know, we were back a couple days ago, and uh, everyone can read into whatever that is. So it's nice, man. Been nice and comfortable being back home, getting to be back a little early, and oh, it feels good, man. I hate living out of a hotel for too long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely can start to grow on you. But let's just talk about our experience, man. We got to uh, jump back into the FNCS studio um, I made some videos on this stage and uploaded to Twitter. I mean, the way I felt about it when I was recording, I was like, dang, this this could be the last time like we see this stage, right? Like this is the major three. After the last chance major, we're pretty much going straight to land and then we're gearing up for the new year. So I really felt like, okay, this event, this in-studio broadcast, like this is pretty much our last hurrah with this setup um, because it just makes sense, right? Year to year, you always, we see evolution and we see growth and we see stages change. So that was kind of how I felt being at the studio. Like, what did it feel like for you? I mean, you obviously were returning after, um, you know, a couple seasons away. So let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's kind of the same. It almost, uh, in my head, I'm telling me this This is the last time I'm making this trip. Um, I got stuff going on. Don't really plan on making a five-week trip to a different country anymore. So we'll see how that all turns out in the future. I mean, maybe there's something a little more local, but uh that could have been my last fncs i was happy with the work i put in love working with you guys it's always so much fun to go out there and mess around with the boys and just have a good time copenhagen's an awesome place for you guys going to globals highly recommend it it's going to be a lot of fun and yeah man the games are awesome like the whole tournament the whole week weekend was just a lot of fun to be around so i'm grateful if that was my last one that we went out with a bang. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely sick. I mean, Panda, you watched from home. You got to jump in and, you know, uh, make make your cameo of sorts. You got interviewed yeah. on broadcast. Uh, talk to me about it. Uh, no, it was good. Honestly, um, 
I think it was a lot of people's strongest performance so far. Uh, SVG definitely being one of them. Uh, the information and the stories that he brought to the table as an analyst this season were actually, in my opinion, the best that we've seen across uh, all analyst segments. I'm sorry to Vivid and and to to Levin even hopping in as an analyst uh, there for a little bit. Like I really really enjoyed NA Grand Finals. So. A uh, big part of that was, of course, to SVG. So appreciate you, of course, doing that. No, it was it was um, it was unique. It was the first grand finals that my full attention wasn't necessarily on ever, right? Because I've been watching Fortnite since day one, but it came on the same weekend as my birthday, and so my mom was in town uh, visiting Emily and I, and since she was here, I just couldn't be playing Fortnite on the TV. <laughs> With her there, uh, I had to kind of uh, entertain, so to speak. So I missed EU. But, of course, with NA being uh, in the middle of the night now, um, I could watch that uh, a little bit easier. But hopefully it's not in the middle of the night anymore next year, whatever. If you're listening, Epic Games, please, for the love of God, stop putting it at 8, 9 p.m. at night. All right, but uh, other than that, it was great. Yeah, what what Panda's trying to say, he's embarrassed to watch Fortnite in front of his parents, guys. Yeah, we got it. We got it. She knows what I do. To be fair, she knows what I do, but I know she's not interested in in watching Fortnite. So I have to be the good host and and obviously cater to that thought process and say, hey, like my mom doesn't probably like watching Fortnite unless her son is on the screen. So maybe I should go try to like put on a movie or something different. Nah, it, you got to make new fans. Like, come on, you're not helping grow whoa. the sport. What's going on here? She's a, she's a fan of me. Yeah, so not the watch, game. Come on, respect watch, the game. She'll bro. watch when I'm on there. But listen, I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm sorry, Epic. You lost a viewer because I wasn't there. Hey, man. Every every no, we need every number we can we can muster up nowadays. So uh, yeah, let's let's get everyone grand, in there. Grand numbers were better than last season, though. Oh, yeah, uh, major two was like. Viewership wise, felt like it was the lowest we had seen uh, since the studio return. But Major Three was a little bit better. So, uh, props to the to the new analyst format. I think um, that was one of the cool things about Grand Finals. Like those little like races to like, oh, this is why I think this team can win, was really really cool. Like, and it was like a sixty second breakdown of how that looked. Like that was a cool um, little segment and stuff like that. Just felt more. Uh, more intuitive, more engaging, and more natural. Can I tell you guys something? I almost tried to get out of that. And now what? looking back at it, it was so good. No, but Kanata and Adrian said like a 100-point lead. I'm like, this is not the story. Kanata and Adrian's crushing it is the story. And then like everyone kind of convinced me like, dude, no, there's still a chance. It's not like that big of a lead. And I'm glad they did because ultimately it came really close and like mm-hmm. – it worked out super well, but I almost was a terrible person and totally ruined that segment. Yeah, for uh, for those of you guys wondering, the segment was on day two of the FNCS Finals broadcast for Major 3. It was an extremely creative uh, segment that was kind of designed to pin, to pin up or prop up the two candidates that are in the race to actually take it all. But it was the delivery. It was like super intense. It's like music played and... For it being live, it really, really was like masterfully executed. So shout out to SVG and shout out to Vivid who had to deliver those moments. Um, I don't think y'all understand 
the pressure of having to do a segment, especially one that you're like trying to produce live and like only have one chance to execute it. You know, you can't stumble, you can't miss a beat. You got to fit all your words in that timeline, but also you have to deliver the, the context right, and really sell that moment. So um, if there's anything you do is you need to go back, watch those moments. Uh, very, very cool. And yeah, it felt super interactive. So big fan of some of the, I think the risk that was taken this, this time around with the production crew and everyone trying to put together this new moment. I can see something like that absolutely being brought back, but I want to I want to start jumping into things. I want to jump into FNCS Grand. Let's start talking about the results. I want to get Europe out the way first because it does, of course, happen first as the primary um, kickoff region for broadcast. Um, it seems like things went just downhill for Europe as far as the big names that folks expected to really run away with, uh, you know, the the event up at the top. So um, let's let's start with your early thoughts, SBG. Take me through some of the results. Yeah, so it was actually a wild grands on Europe. Coming into it, everyone's like, this is Malibuka and Thomas's to lose. They're the clear favorites. They've played so well. Then, you know, Taysom or Stash can never be beat. Seti and Cami were like the only real big name duo that performed two expectations. They finished fourth. But we had Swizzy and Putrick who wound up winning it. Swizzy also won an FNCS in Asia. He is a Russian player, played on the Asia region at first, won an FNCS, came over to Europe with Shimoki. And they played all right, came together with Putrick, had a phenomenal run this season, and absolutely dominated. They won by like 150 points. It wasn't even close. Uh, the only other... They're not only other, but like the other main story for me about the Europe FNCS is in third place. Misha and Tini played the most intricate and precise strategy that I've ever seen employed and actually work. So for you guys at home trying to figure out what they did, everyone has a drop spot that they land at 12 out of 12 games. Most teams are landing the same spot. This team landed eight different locations in 12 different games and their whole idea was to find a loot path find a duo doing a split somewhere on the map get a solo catch them off guard kill them and then go ahead gather their loot and steal the rest of their loot path they weren't successful every game but they fought for objectives like caches in the, the rift island which made them be successful and they played phenomenally um, and just to add to that real quick they had more than eight pre-planned they were only able to execute on eight of the paths, but they actually had uh, even more paths set up, but they just couldn't execute on them based on the bus path. You answered the question before I asked it, Panda. Thank you for that. I, I That's what I was really, no, no, seriously, that's what I was really curious about. I was like, like how much preparation goes into that and, and how much do we know about what their preparation is? It sounds like you have a little bit of insight. Um, I wanted to ask, was there something particular about the bus path or the games that led them to decide where they wanted to land? Because this is the first time we've seen at a, you know, the upper echelon of our competitors, someone play an, an actual flex drop. I think this is the most exciting way to play any battle royale, especially at professional level is, dude, I don't know where anybody's going to land. Like, that's a crazy idea to think about because how do you formulate a strategy in br when it's already so random and you have people landing in, in like any given place like to me that's kind of wild um 
I mean, I'll let you elaborate a little bit more, Panda, if you have some of that insight, because that was, him. yeah, by, by far the, the coolest thing we've seen in any grand finals. Yeah, no, so they had more, uh, like I said, they had more drop spots uh, pre-planned. Uh, like SVG mentioned as well, they weren't able to successfully hit um, every single drop. It was not like an eight for eight every drop they made. Was it successful? But they were taking out the likes of some big, big names that otherwise you wouldn't expect them to be able to catch off guard. So massive props to them. If you want more of like the actual true breakdown of those things, there are three places to check it out. SBG did a whole Twitter thread um, that you can read through that did like a breakdown of the strategy. Resub put a video on YouTube and Lash put a video on Twitter. So check out, uh, uh, what is it? Caden Lasher on Twitter, Somebody's Gun on Twitter, or Resub on YouTube. Three places that you can see the full breakdown of that strategy in play. And one final piece before we harp on this too long. This was so cool. I enjoyed the heck out of watching this. And lastly, about this duo is we've seen this strategy employed, finding someone that's on a split drop, someone gets a little far away from their duo, and it's normally like one or two games, someone tries to capitalize on it, and it's a team that lands near them. We've never seen a team try and do this to multiple different teams across the map, do all this research, understand their weak points in their opponent's uh, loot pass, and try and capitalize on it. It is so unique. We will be seeing more of this because of the success they had. But ultimately, for Misha and Tini, it's it's the ability to win and take fights that was the success for them. Because a lot of times, they just bail themselves out. They get like two chests and then sit somewhere and nobody shows up. So then they take a terrible fight, or what I would consider a ter terrible fight. They win it, and then boom, now they have the other team's loot. So like, you can't all do this let me let me put that out there not everyone can do this on paper it looks achievable in action it is much more difficult than what you see done there yeah man the execution has to be like literally perfect and like you said there is a, there is a level of much deeper thinking and finesse involved in saying okay here is the drop map, uh, drop map. here's where everyone's landing of course teams are going to lax up they're not going to expect us to ambush them and most teams, to your point, do split up. Like, let's be completely honest. The most optimal way to loot your draw spot is, hey, I'm going to get the left side, you get the right side, we'll, we'll blast through this, we're uncontested, and then we go on and then follow through with strat. But when you get a team targeting you, and they just, they either set up the ambush or land directly on top of you when you and your team are, you know, far away from one another, that becomes a problem. And when you strategize that across 12 games, different teams... Now you have a repeatable tactic that, of course, requires tons of preparation. But if you can execute it, it's very, very cool. And we saw the successes come out of it. So Europe, if anything, was extremely interesting. Shout out to them for, of course, making it that interesting. Because other than that, it was a steamroll, blowaway competition. Swizzy and Puchik just played out of their minds. Picked up two victory royales. Don't fall outside of the top 20 besides what was it let's see here one game where they had a semi-bad game survive for nine minutes other than that average time alive is up there in the 23 minute 51 second mark they were basically alive every darn game all the way to end game absolutely exceptional let's jump into the na broadcast we got to sit there firsthand front row seats very very fun day of competition or actually two days of competition we kicked things off with na we saw 
what was the 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 storyline coming together for the boy and pen we were we were praying we were hoping we had a couple favorites up there let's talk about what all unfolded from day one and then of course lean into day two for our cumulative results svg i'll start with you man you got to end the day uh you know interviewing n pen and it, it really did seem like it was a, it was about to come to life for him bro day one m pen finished it was either second or third i can't remember off the top of my head anyway they were chilling you needed like i think it wound up being top 13 was the qualification because we had three or four or five other teams that had already qualified in those positions so it, it bumped it down they had a terrible day two like I know he is an honest person, and I'm going to be honest, they choked so hard on day two, and I feel so bad because I've talked to the man, he's a great dude, he puts in the work, and just constantly been, I don't want to say screwed over, but like, the path hasn't been the best for him. He played with Byla to start the year, played with Polarized in the middle of the year, then polarized switches with them and then now he's playing with uh d d Ro no byla for this for major and, and then, then again LCM another teammate for lcm and ah uh, dude it was tough for him yeah and you know they ended the day with a victory royale they're one of the few teams that picked up a victory royale that did not qualify the other one was bolts and thorax who didn't finish up towards the top but i think bolts and thorax already had the uh pre-qualification mm -hmm. locked up so it wasn't like major a, one yeah they, it wasn't a big deal for them they were already qualified and then you had casker and revised another team that had a great day one they started the tournament off with the victory royale uh things kind of fizzled out for them but they played middle of the pack but their day two was just tough right a lot of early eliminations full duo wipes and if if you basically were one of those two duos you did you know, draw on the on the short end of the pickup sticks there. Um, let's do. Let's talk about the community results though. The tournament ends. We have a close run at the very end. Final games are casting it. We're talking about it. Booba threats is alive. Iamzo rise is alive. Bryson Chubbs are running it up in the end game. And basically, Agers and Kanata get eliminated early. So it really leaves the opportunity open for everyone else as they fall in twenty second place. And they had. It was a pretty marginal lead throughout the entire day, but it was getting closed on game after day, uh, game. And that's what made it really interesting. I mean, SVG, run us through some of those results, man. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Adrian Kanata on winning. First of all, they deserved it. They almost choked on day two, but had yeah. a phenomenal day one and played well enough on day two. Booga Threats came out hunting for them, but they also stumbled a couple games, finishing in second. Um, it was pretty much a three-horse race. Booga Threats, Aegis Kanata, Yamzo Rise for like the top three. Also, in fourth, have to give a huge shout-out to Bryce and Chubbs. They've been phenomenal this year. A new team you guys may or may not even know who that is. If you're listening, go check them out. Bryce, Chubbs, they're phenomenal. It's Bryce with an X at the end. If you guys are looking for it, can't find it. Um, some of the other teams, Baka Par is another really good up-and-coming team. Uh, Cooper Miro continue to be really good. Acorn Cold, really good. Then for me, the biggest storyline on day two was what Bucky and Ocus did. Mm -hmm. The greatest comeback that I would say in FNCS history. They're in like 44th or 42nd 
going into day two. They finished in 12th. They qualify for Copenhagen. And really all it took was them to start playing how they played all season and what worked for them. They kind of played soft on day one and then also didn't really get the help of the rifts. Day two, they get the rifts or the rift islands, able to claim two of those, able to win a game and had such a better performance. I think it was kind of that freeing thing of, hey, bro, like we got nothing to lose. We're already not qualifying. Let's go for it. And it worked out so well. They were my biggest surprise. So in day two alone, they got 321 points. They ended with 371 points, just to give the, the listeners context. 321 out of the 371 total points they got, they got in day two. That team surprised me more than any team. But one team that I'm glad made it, and it's their first time playing together this season, is Source and Yumi. Source is such an underrated, both West players, uh, both competing. I think think they both went to um, Texas to compete on Zero Ping. But they're both super talented players. They've been around the West scene for a bit. Source, newer. Yumi, uh, not as new, but still um, on the newer side. Uh, they obviously Yumi and Cool won an FNCS. They were on TNA. There's a lot of story between these two players. So to see them come together, find the, enough success to make it to global is an exciting story for me to watch because I want to see them top 10 uh, at global championships. Yeah, so, I, and I think they are a team that can do it. I will say, like, you know, it, it just given the history of Fortnite and NA in particular, you know, it's always been West versus East. It always has been the conversation of, dude, East is miles ahead. There's, we're so much better. But you know what? You know, push come to shove, the full merger happens, and bro, West is all up in that top 10. And like, mm -hmm. honestly, top players in general, uh, they're really, I would say, isn't the gap that I think we all thought on NA. And it's truly showing now. The, diffi uh, the difficulty of the region has clearly gotten better. Um, we're seeing the likes of these new players like Yumi, like you said, Boyo pop in there, uh, Bolts and Thor. Like these guys are incredible players. Um, and it's very, very cool to see how the standard and the quality of the NA in general has gotten better. But more importantly, how no one has anything bad to say about these West players anymore. They have just nope. been accepted and almost, it's almost like the East boys are just like afraid to admit it. You know, it's like, hey, let's forget we ever said any of that other stuff. So I'm going to throw one caveat in there. They were not in contention to win grand finals. Like none of these teams really made a push to win grand finals. Yes, they played well, not trying to take that away from them. But until they reach that top caliber of duo, I will call them great duos. They are not like the top of the food chain on the region yet. And once they prove that, I'm more than happy to give them their due, but they have to prove it to me first. I, I think that's, that's a, I think, I, no, I think Baca hasn't proved nothing to you. I think it's an accurate assessment. They're if, a fifth if, place team. Like uh, they, to me are well, a fifth place seventh. team. Uh, okay. They are the fifth best team on the region. Kanata and Agers was a fifth place team a lot. Well, Kanata, yeah. I should say. Okay. And he was and never I, a fifth place player. And? What do you try? So because the guy wins an FNCS, he just oh, wow. he just won his first FNCS. But you've praised Kanata for years. Oh, he's biased. Yeah. He's constantly been there, top five. See, yeah, the it, ability to win. You see that an bias you were talking about, Monster, just moments ago. There is right no here bias in this call. No, you look at the leaderboard. There is a clear difference between those top three teams and everybody else. When the rest of the lobby can play at a level where they can win an FNCS, and Kanata has done that on days, but he had two days where he actually was able to do it. Normally, he flops on day one, but 
you know, it happens. And there's a big difference between performing at a top 10 level in FNCS and performing at a level to be able to win in FNCS. Okay. Okay. So we'll uh, act like all NAOS FNCS wins are disregarded and we will... Bro, they're all by one until... guy. <laughs> yes, yes. I was going to say until we see a West player or few take wins on the central region now that the full mergers happen. But uh, I, I am leaning more towards SVG's argument. I see where Panda's coming from. Of course, the defense and the argument there makes makes absolute sense. But to SVG's point, yes, when you when you are looking at the standing, so far, we haven't quite seen them be in the... If, if you want to call it the 1%, cool, they're in the 1%, but are you in the 00001%, right? You're just above a, a cut above the rest... As far as the overall region is concerned, that is yet to be proven. You know, listen, we can have differing opinions. Um, I think, look, each one of those top three teams were a fifth-place team until this season, well, except Booga and Threats. I would argue Iamzo, Rise, Kanata, Adris were in the same position as you would call Poyo and Sphinx or Baka and Pars now. Yeah. No, uh, no, I wouldn't disagree. I, I hear it. I hear it. Based, this... based on that logic, based just solely specifically on that logic. Well, hold on. I think there is one caveat to that, though, of like they have played well enough to win an FNCS, but they don't do it consistently enough. I haven't seen the West teams play well enough to win an FNCS on more than like a game or three, right? It's that consistency throughout a grand final that. I struggle to see. Bach and Pars, to me, were the closest that I've ever seen. They've shown throughout the past two seasons the ability to win games and play at that level. They just haven't been able to do it throughout two days of a grand final. So well, we've looking, only had two seasons of, uh, yeah, of them it, combined. It, I was so going to say, looking, looking to the land, looking to Copenhagen, right? We get to see FNCS Invitational was interesting. It was a Invitational. This is by far the, the, mm -hmm. the global championship is a much different caliber. You had to literally earn your way here all year long granted there is the caveat as well here that it's season to season meta to meta things change some teams perform better during certain times than others so it is sort of hard right you got to take it with a grain of salt what the competition skill ceiling or like the level is going to be at but we know it's it's the best that we have ever seen since the world cup it just has not gotten any more competitive than what we're going to see at global championship that's what makes it very cool what do we have to see from any West or any other region in particular, performance-wise, to give the undoubtable argument that, okay, they are up there with amongst the best of the best, and they have what it takes. Is it is top three okay now, or is it you still have to win it all? Because like, now we're talking to just a, a different level of skill required, Cause, right? Because remember, Pollo came in third last season. He did. Playing third, with the third, East third is not first, though. Yeah, third is See, still not first. And yes, he I'm is playing with the East player. Arguably, Poyo is better than Sphinx. I'm just saying it. Okay. I want the question answered, though, for Copenhagen. Like, top three. Like, if a Brazilian team comes in there, mm -hmm. or an OCE team, or NAOS, or NA, or obviously, or if it's all EU, is top three the room that we give? Like, this is like global elite, like, championship material quality of of team and player is top three good enough given that the competition I, is that much more difficult or is it still like you still got to be I number say one five to ten you give it I, as far I, as five I, to ten i say i say 
because it is all regions top 10, but in most situations, I think top five is like a, a serious indicator of like a, a just a phenomenal team and, and a team that can be a contender for an FNCS mm-hmm. win. But I, I don't know, SPG, what are your thoughts? So to me, it depends. Like if teams are getting top 10, but don't have a shot at winning, right? There's one team or like three teams that pull away and they're all EU, then I mean, clearly EU is the best region. But then if we have a pretty competitive, like a few points between one to five and they're all different regions, yeah, I think everyone gets their due. But last FNCS, we had two of the top teams. The only two teams really competing for it were European teams. We had a couple of comebacks on day two from some NA teams. But again, it was too late. They, they didn't right. do enough on day one. What we saw from Brazil, two teams inside that top 10, that proves to me, yes, they are competitors. Don't know yet that they're winners. I think this year they can show up and prove that they're winners, but I have to see that you have the ability to win, and it's not just like two EU teams again. Because if it's Queasy, Venno, Seti, Kami that are at the top two once again running the entire tournament, then how can we say any region can compete if yep. those two are just by far and ahead of everybody else? Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent way to look at it. Definitely will come down to the point discrepancy between, yeah, the conversation. Who, who's in the race to actually win this whole thing? Um, top 10 is great. I think we even had, uh, we had the one Japanese team up there, right? The Was it Marine? In the Invitational. On day at, one. At Invitational. They, they had a run for it on day one. Yeah, we, we saw a little bit of representation day two. Of course, the final standings were east one east team i think two uh or sorry two or three east teams one west and the the rest pretty much eu um alongside the two brazilian teams actually i lied uh quitos and cheats i remember um pretty distinctively those teams popping off so yeah anyways huge tangent as we start to look at the as you can see <laughs> we're all super interested in seeing how this day's gonna play out so let's talk about who from the last chance major the last opportunity last chance to actually make it to this land that we have jumped ahead of the gun on uh made it through mr savage finally gets his moment he bombed in major three i mean he came 43rd place terrible yeah, performance did not, did not work out very well he was someone you know we he's so popular you you always look to see what he's up to how's it going and you know he has a huge community constantly rooting for him but yeah he doesn't play well i like that he's with uh vadil though vadil is Damn good. He's an excellent fighter. Mr. Savage, as we know, is a pretty great IGL. He's done a, a really good job. I mean, even when him and Eyedrop were playing with one another, they had their moments of greatness. Um, so this is a very interesting duo that he's picked up an extremely talented, arguably at one point, the number one player in Europe for a season, Vadil. And the, the kid's nice, and they can clearly win fights. But Major 3, like I said, they just bombed out. They did not play well. And they had some success um, outside of FNCS. So it was it was definitely a surprise to see. Like, even if they didn't qualify, uh, it was a surprise to see them not in the top 20. Um, that was kind of my thought on them. But, of course, they came in last chance major and ran away with it. Um, like, there was no doubt after the first three games that Savage was going to global. Yeah, and, and just yeah. so you guys understand, last chance major, six games of Fortnite. It's your last opportunity. It's what's left of those that did not qualify. If you qualified for the land already, you are not allowed or not eligible to play in that tournament. So, yeah, the quality of competition really um, 
I don't want to say suffers, but you know, it comes down a significant level and it's really what's left of the best and who is the best. The best should naturally rise to the top. I think for EU, it, it was pretty clear who was going to be amongst the best, the best. We now had to see those teams that you expect, right? Giannis, you know, pop in there alongside Reason. Uh, Vortex is in there. Hen, right? It kind of, to me, felt like a who's who as far as the list went. Um, any any other or different opinions, SPG, on this, on this one? No, I mean, I think the only one that probably deserved to be up there as well as Pablo and Bevy's. They yeah. contested the, I don't even know what is the castle where Iamzo Rise land. And it was a 50-50, straight up just 50-50 that every time against another team, they made like two games and got 11th. They needed ninth. So got really close. It's just not enough when you're only able to play like two games out after going down off spawn every time. Yeah, that was um, it was tough on socials too. Uh, watching them talk about it. Same thing with the impen situation. It's like, and of course we'll talk about where impen uh, ended in last chance major, but like his just just devastation, and that's what it is. Like this is the first time ever that we've seen a full year of competition lead into a major uh, LAN event. And this is the first time these players are experiencing this type of um, this type of I guess letdown uh, if they don't yeah. qual. This type of just devastation because that's what it is. Like these players are playing forty hours, fifty hours a week more probably uh, to to compete for an opportunity to to play for these this four million dollars on the line at the global championships in Copenhagen, and they fall short. And some teams falling short. Uh, just outside of qualification. I mean, like, NA was top eight, and you had, like, Day and Redux ninth. You had Chimp and Tabne in 11th. Like, teams that were at one point in the top eight. Like, it's just... It was a a rough watch for me, to say the least. Um, But nevertheless, they, they got to continue to move and, and hope that they take this next six months, because it is basically six months off before like if everything serves the similar to what we had this year six months off before we get into another fncs event yeah and you know again this will prop perfectly into our next segment where we talk about the massive wave of players that we've basically seen either uh, looking to take a break or retire from the game but before we get there let's just quickly review the na last chance major uh uh qualify qualifiers i guess the winners yeah. i don't know what to call them they they're the guys that make it through basically to the land um peterbot and byla they pair up we, we briefly talked about how byla parted from npen he goes back to his previous uh championship winning duo um peterbot they just dominate i mean they 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 make it look easy and i i was a little upset about how easy they made it look i'm not gonna lie it came a point in the broadcast, game five, game six, where I'm like, bro, can can we just not even show these guys? Like, can we actually kick them out the tournament? Like, I want other people to have a chance. They were taking so many points away. They had an average elimination of six, average place of seven. They win two games. It was just a disgusting performance. They were so far ahead of the competition. It wasn't even a question. By game three, they did enough to fully qualify their way to the final so that's crazy then moving past that it gets a lot more interesting you have 
scented and polarized with a second place performance. They didn't have a lot of average placement, but they had a high amount of eliminations. The conversion's coming a little later into the tournament. Um, they definitely put up the numbers. It was cool to see them perform. I think we expect someone like Scented to perform. I found it to be interesting that it was alongside Polarized. I didn't know what to expect of that duo playing with one another. But hey, they make it to the finals. How will they fare up against the rest of the region? Honestly, I'm not counting them in the top, top uh, selection of, of duos. And, and rightfully so. You know, they made it through the last chance major. Right? But there are teams in this last chance major that I think have a chance. I'm going to talk about them now. Clicks and Epic Whale pull through. I just think Epic Whale has that land factor. I think Clicks has the hunger in him to do better. Um, up until now, Clicks has streamed all of his live tournaments. We know that his streams are directly correlated to bad performances because of stream snipers and otherwise um, performance-related issues. So I want to see what happens when he dials back, dials in, and, and gets to really set up alongside Epic Whale. I can see them putting in the effort because it really did show that they've been putting in the effort throughout the year. And then other teams, I'll let you celebrate a couple SBG that uh, did push through because NA was, I mean, it was also a who's who at that top eight. Yeah, I would agree. Pretty much all the teams that have the big names were the teams to qualify through last chance. So you love to see that. Pam and Fatch, I know we're all big fans of here. Love to see them. Yeah. They, they were bouncing in and out of that top eight this entire tournament. I'm so like, guys. So nerve-wracking. Just, just please, please do it. They finished in seven. So. Just win, bro. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, yeah, they've done really well. Quanti TK, a team that I didn't expect to come together. Like, Quanti really hasn't seemed to play with controller players, and TK has kind of struggled to find that right teammate, but now it seems like they're coming together at the right time. Can I just say one thing? Quanti, bro, like his mechanics were surprising me. Like they were fighting duos so confidently. I, I don't know if we're just looking at a new Quanti right now, or maybe we haven't really put the spotlight on his mechanics, but there there was something very impressive to watch uh, coming out of Quanti. Uh, fun fact, he needed a keyboard. I bought him the Apex Predator keyboard when Let's I believed go. in him early on, and he qualifies. I'm just saying. Yo, hey, man, listen. listen I'm, not, I'm not taking credit like Blood X, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I, I, I was very, very impressed All jokes, with I love you, Blood X. I, I was very impressed with Quanti. He just looked different out there, and they played well. I, I'm familiar with TK. I know what he's, he's capable of. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's damn good as well. But yeah, Quanti, I don't know, man. I think I think we're gonna see the year of Quanti, like low key. Like whatever we saw this weekend was just really good. Um we got to interview Death and Tahi. That's another good one. Um Death pretty much said, like, dude, my teammate is the best. I love this guy. I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for this guy. And you know, Tahi talked about he didn't want to play the game anymore. He quit. He's got problems with his hands, but you know, for one last chance, one more time with your buddy, you you struggle through that pain, and you got to respect that. It cannot be fun playing with, like, wrist and hand problems. And I know Fatcher was going through the same thing as well. So a lot of these players, this break from now until the uh, Globals is going to be huge to get not just their play style and brain right, but also take the time to heal your body and come in at 100%. Yeah, people, I think, underestimate the, like, injuries that can happen when you're, you know, at your desk all day, every day, pretty much, and you're not really um, stretching or doing those proper exercises. That's why there are 
uh, several outlets, especially on social. I think at 1HP is one of the few that I follow and I really support um, that they post tons of like wrist stretches and how to keep your elbows and your other, you know, your joints really healthy. And, and you'd just be surprised that if you don't do those things and you're trying to pursue professional gaming, how much of a wear and tear you'll put on your body uh, for, for taking, I guess, the, the lack of, yeah, a lack of attention to your health, basically. So we see it pretty frequently in Fortnite. Fortnite is a very intense game, especially on the wrist because of the, you know, actions per minute and stuff like that. So crazy to think that, yeah, you, you're just, we're suffering. We have people suffering physical injuries on a computer game, but it, it's so true, man. And we see it a I feel like we see it more in Fortnite than other titles. Um, I don't really see it too much in Valorant and Counter-Strike, like pros, you know, making posts about it. But in Fortnite, it's pretty frequent. It's, it's, it's actually kind of mind-boggling. It's a very different demand. You have to yes. think you're throwing your wrist around on your mouse hand. Like, uh, whereas Valorant and stuff is very slow-moving. Have your mouse set in one spot hit an angle as you come around a, like come around a wall like that's there's just not the same movement just less and, skill gap when we all know it so fortnite's yeah, the absolutely. most competitive game it <laughs> is the hardest competitive esport on the planet mark your calendars folks valorant csgo babies all babies all babies. and we all know it and shroud even said it too he he you know yep. listen if you, if you don't believe us just listen to listen to the goat shroud no, but seriously, it, it was it was hyper competitive. It was very fun to watch the rest of the standings kind of play out. Bully and Shadow take that eighth place spot with the last game performance of a 21st place. So they also just barely held on. Um, I do believe there are already rumblings of passport issues happening. And that's because uh, from what I've heard, and this is not a direct statement from Epic or anyone involved in the procuring of the flight details or process, but from what I've heard... Some of these guys only have until the 30th. We're recording here on the 23rd. It's about a week away. I don't know if it was, <clears throat> excuse me, September 30th or August 30th. But either way, whether it's August. a whether it's a month or whether it's a week, it's not a lot of time to secure a passport if you didn't already have one. In fact, I think it's almost impossible to expedite one that quick because the turnaround's so um, short notice. So it, it, it's likely that we see a lot of the people that even qualified here in the last chance major. And throughout the year, from especially NA and Canada and other places that don't have their passports and stuff ironed out, just not even be able to attend. And I know for a fact, someone inside this top eight of duos already has basically been denied. And I'm not going to reveal that today. It's not my business to do so. I'm sure we'll see some posts come out. But, yep, we are going to see some shakeups. So some other teams yeah. are going to be happy. Um, who uh, knows? And to add to that, it is noted in the rules that if you're teammate uh like if you can make it with a passport and your teammate can't you will play as a solo it what? says it directly in the rules there's, there's you think that stands though they have I to have backups like, I, I, to be fair i hope it doesn't stand and i hope they do have backups and replacements um but as the like i don't understand why they would change that rule from I mean, invitational I, to this if well, it wasn't intentional you invitational know I mean? was different though you literally they invited backup players and it was a celebration they, of the community do you invite backup players for this do you allow your duo to, to invite someone and fill in the gaps it it kind of does take away way. from the competitive merit i guess of like you have to qualify to get here or bust um so as much as I hate to say this, I would prefer teams be disqualified and we just keep whoever qualified to play 
But I get why we would allow fills or maybe no fills. I do, I do get it, but I don't know. So let, let me throw an idea out there. Say an NA team that qualified through a major that plays in the upper bracket is unable to go. Then the first place team from last chance major takes their place. Then the ninth place team goes into the lower bracket. So like we kind of just funnel everyone forward versus fully having replacement players. But at the same time, if people need passports by the 30th, that doesn't really give, you know, say yeah. you're in ninth place. Do you have your passport ready if you're called upon? Probably not. Right. Uh, and yeah, I guess that is one thing that worth mentioning, which we haven't really got into the details of the format of the Copenhagen land, but there is basically, that's just you getting to the land. You're not in finals yet. There is a bracketing system to basically get to the top 50 um, that will compete. So yeah, dude, guys, global championship is going to be so sick. This is as hyper competitive as we have ever seen it. And that's something we haven't really even harped on because like, Epic has really just been celebrating like, oh, you made it to land. But it's like, you're not even in the money yet, bro. Like you, you're just at the, the grind begins now, right? Like now you have to get out of the bracket into the upper bracket, into the qualified finalists for the last day of competition, which it is just a six game finals, right? I think we've yep. um, already had that revealed to us. So man, global championship is going to be crazy. So maybe, yeah, maybe that makes sense as to why they... You know, they won't even allow you to fill because it's a bracket anyways, right? So we'll see who plays through that. And yeah, there's a likelihood if your duo, I guess, can't make it, then you, you just won't be competing at all. Um, yeah, tough one, but I, I understand why, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I'll just say sort of. <laughs> yeah. No backup players because we would have heard about it by now. Right. If you think about it. Because if, if they're forcing regular players to have passports by the 30th, like, we would have heard of them reaching out to backup players. So I, I don't think... I think that rule stands that they have to play as a solo. So it'll be interesting, nevertheless. But, man, it's caused... This season, this year, has caused a lot of turmoil for players across the board. And I think uh, SPG has more to say on that because players are just leaving left and right, and they said it's all SPG's fault. I, that is true. He said, um, I, I heard it straight from Looter. He was like, yo, man, if it wasn't for SPG being such a wonderful and sexy human being, I would still play this game. I was waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's actually because I've been talking smack to all the players, telling them they're not up to par. So they've all decided to quit um, instead <laughs> of just show me that I'm terrible at the game. <laughs> um, no, I would never do that. But we did have... A lot of players retire. I think this was expected. You you guys kind of talked about the precedent and this year, what it's all been. It's been a year-long process to achieve this global championship. And while I do think some of these are kind of reactionary, I, I think we will also see more players over the next few weeks, next few months kind of drop off because, I mean, we've been playing this game for a long time. But let me talk about the players who's quitting or retiring. I think it's more of like a, a, a taking a break permanently, I would say, because players come back all the time. Um, Alec from OCE, one of the better players on the region, says he's quitting the game. Been a big part of his life for the past five or six years, but since Chapter 3, he didn't have the drive. 
He's going to be switching his focus to CSGO and CS2. So, you know, we may see another little transition like Benzie Fishy. Uh, Siyun over in Brazil said he's quitting. Who knows? Not a big post here. Just says quit. FN competitive. That that may be a comeback. Love that. Looter, Love that. Looter said coming or taking a break from Fortnite competitive. Not coming back unless Epic fixes Siphon, Scrims, and edit, edit Bug. He goes on to say more. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Wavy Jacob, he's quitting. Says thank you to everyone. Appreciate that. Glace hasn't really been around a ton recently, but last chapter was pretty successful. Said he's going to college. Peace out. Knifer's another one that pretty much said, like, I right, appreciate you guys going to school as well. I'm done. I've had fun, and that's it. Then we've also had, like, two players, like, Scoped and NPen, pretty much say, guys, I'm done for a little bit. I don't know how long a little bit is, but I need a break from the game, and I think that's just natural. So a big wave, and I'm sure I missed some. Like, I didn't even get any of the EU guys. Um, I couldn't remember off the top of my head who that was, but we will see more of this over the next few months. Yeah, and again, it's because... It, there is that huge stress involved in trying to really i mean we've all been there you work towards something and when it doesn't go your way it can be uh yeah a huge letdown and sometimes you just need that moment to just take a break from everything reset recharge and reevaluate what comes next for you so uh for the players we're gonna i i think svg is spot on the nose that we are going to see more over the coming weeks and we'll see how global championship fares afterwards and again we have this long uh downtime before the next season or before the next year and that's if we are on the same yearly cadence right we don't even know what's to come we haven't seen anything come out of any of the blog posts or anything like that so what do you guys think one over the next like three four months until january because normally january that by january they announce what next year is right but what do we think besides globals? Because there's a huge competitive player base that wants stuff to do. What are we expecting for the next season and maybe two? You want me to be honest? Probably nothing. Yeah. Whoa. Other than cash cups. I think, I think in Epic's mind, and this is no harp on them, they think that the, the other events that they have going on pretty much daily now is effective enough for them to run through until FNCS. So I don't see another like Winter Royale or anything because we haven't seen that in years. So it's like, that's where I stand as far as that goes. Um, I know they announced some rank changes today. Nothing there was super no changes. crazy. Yeah, I well, think there was, there was a change to zero build. Yeah, they said you could play solo now. <laughs> that's a change. That, that was the, the only change in that and block. And that's post. about as much change as I expect going yeah. into the rest of the year. Uh, I think I think as... I think the philosophy is, and I'm okay with this. Um, we have a competitive burnout. Um, I'm already one who says there's too much on the calendar. I believe that when FNCS is happening and we're going season to season, we shouldn't have any cash cups. We should instead, if anything, have, like I said, the improved scrim ecosystem and custom experience as we put all of our focus into the first six seven eight months of yeah gearing up for something like a global championship and then in that air quotes downtime should be the window of time where we have tons of activations from third party uh, tournaments and and little things like that like celebratory pop-up things happening 
throughout the back half of the year. I would much prefer to see a yearly cadence or season like that where we put more focus in. Here's the big thing that we're working towards, and that's where all of our media coverage and outlets are uh, pointing towards, and we get full-on attention and focus to that for the competitive scene's health. But as it stands, obviously, we get tons of cash cubs, uh, you know, hold your friend's hands cups, and... And I don't know, dude. All types of stuff going on, dude. It's Fortnite, yeah. bro. Uh, you know, so yeah, the, the back half of this year, I don't see us having anything. I think this is a time to heal, to reset, to uh yeah, look forward to the new year. But I do hope that there are still content posts coming from FN Competitive. I, I don't want them to completely disappear. I would like to see more of the uh draw spot podcast you know, just uh, maybe built out a little bit more different, uh, just, just something different. We, we still have to focus on something as far as competitive offerings, but yeah. those competitive offerings, I believe should be more third-party events and tournaments. Um, obviously we don't have DreamHack right now or anything like that, but it would be great to have a solo track spin up or, you know, just something yeah. to look forward to for the back half of the year. I agree with that. And I also agree with drop spot. Imagine they did a weekly drop spot leading up to global highlighting teams each week like similar to what svg did where um last year before the invitational like every day he was posting a video about a different team like just incorporate like use drop spot as a way to to hype up the players that are going to be involved in the global championship i feel like we there's just not enough talk like the media day content and stuff is great and, and what they've done is definitely leagues above what they had been doing in the past but like we still need more ways to build these players and and build the stories going into what is the biggest event since world cup and i know we said this last year at, at the invitational but this truly is the biggest similar comparison to the world cup that we've had since 29 or what was it yeah 2019 when we had the world cup so um i think it's there's a lot of potential here for for epic to do some things and and i've loved to see the initiative they've taken on content this year i feel like they've definitely pushed way more uh both on media day Drop spot is a cool addition. They've put out more like weekly or bi-weekly pieces of content. And I feel like they've done a little bit more with it than just like the traditional, like here's a quick voiceover of whatever we're talking about. Like they've done more. So I have faith that they'll do more leading up to it. We'll just have to wait and see. I would agree. I think the recent batch of player profiles they've put out have been the best pieces of competitive storyline content. Yes. They've put out in a very long time of like telling you why you should even care who the player behind the screen is. And I think the players themselves have done a good job. Like Tayson, when have we ever seen an interview with Tayson where he's like actually vulnerable and tells us about his life, his expectations and all that kind of stuff. So that was awesome to see. And we've been getting a couple of those a week. So I hope those continue. And I hope over the next two months, someone is working on more of those, whether it be at the player's house, flying them somewhere. I mean, there's a lot to go on and I don't want it all to be rushed the week before globals happen. But I agree with you. There's tons of space. We do have, I think, Twitch cons later this year. And then we also have uh, DreamHack Atlanta. Nothing I don't know for either though. Yeah, I know. I don't know that either of those have like anything, but like historically they have had Fortnite stuff. So even if it's just like a $25,000 solo event at DreamHack Atlanta, like they did a couple years ago or last year, that'd last be awesome. Year. Um, or just some creator driven stuff with like maybe a pro-am. I would love to see a pro-am at TwitchCon. When was the last time we saw a pro-am? Um, 
I don't know. Um, I think I would love to see that. And last Twitch Rivals, there was a buildup for it. Like there was months of of competition leading up into the Twitch Rivals. So while I would like to think there's a Fortnite event at Rivals, I've also seen a huge reduction in events from Twitch too. So yeah, ever I would I, say ever since the acquisition of ESL purchasing esports, esports engine, engine, like basically esports engine, I do not believe is producing any of the Twitch Rivals activations anymore. They've gone almost pretty much to the market, uh, picking up freelancers and other small contracting production companies out there. So, uh, yeah, Twitch Rivals kind of has taken a hit, especially as it relates to the Fortnite space. Um, yeah, and and we don't have much other stuff happening within Fortnite. So, I don't know if it's Epic's responsibility to put the money in these places and continue to surplus and juice the economy, or uh, is it the advertiser space? I don't know. I'm not sure whose responsibility is it, but uh, yeah, gaming's going to wear a spot, and for Fortnite, it's pretty tough with the lack of uh, third-party representation. And for those two examples, DreamHack and TwitchCon, those are just the ones that have happened historically. There's right. plenty of other sponsors that can throw their hand in this and reach out to I Monster mean, and Practice Server and technically, do something. Yeah, technically, yes. Uh, next week, I mean, I will be at um, PAX West for DoorDash, right? That's a Fortnite event happening there. So it's not like things aren't happening, but what big things are happening for competitive, right? For our competitive players. Not much at all other than exactly what Epic is putting in front of the players. That's kind of the problem is Epic owns all of the competitive track now or they're the only last remaining player as DreamHack hasn't been active um, as of right now outside of their Gamers 8 track. But Gamers 8 happened on top of you know, FNCS instead of filling the gap. Because think about it. If right now we were coming in back half of the year, Gamers 8, we'd have a whole lot to look forward to, right? But because it all happened at the same time, that's what I mean by like, we have too much happening sometimes um, in a given window when when especially FNCS is going on. Um, it, it just dwarfs all other competition sometimes or makes those conversations not as relevant. So you said something that now makes my brain go to a place of like, are the players even going to be able to practice the game mode that Global Championship is going to be played on? Of course not. Because There's no customs. Well, currently, <laughs> cash, cash cups don't even have siphon. Yeah. So if like, that is the only tournament that has siphon, we could have a two-and-a-half-month period where all these players are playing a game mode that is not what they're going to play at Global Championships, and that is disgusting, in my opinion. The fact that the players can't play the game that they're playing for $4 million. So I really hope someone at Epic realizes what's going on and maybe makes ranked or duo cash cups exactly well, the same as FNCS is going to be. Or, whoa, 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 wait, hold on, hold on. I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. Don't remove Siphon from FNCS. Put Siphon <laughs> in duo cash cups. There you go. Don't make them the same by just removing siphon from one let's let's go back to having the same standardized mode that all these players played on for years in the entire year in lead up to this event I oh, have you heard it here first folks spg wants siphon removed here we go if if epic removes siphon it is all spg uh, uh tread carefully mr spg on what you asked for <laughs> you almost asked them to just say yeah we can turn it off we'll make it all the same here's how uh yeah that that would not be great by any means um Okay, that pretty much concludes everything we wanted to chat about here today, guys. FNCS grants, LCM, 
what's coming for Copenhagen. The level of competition for the Global Championship is going to be absolutely exceptional. Uh, I wanted to cover new season links, but you know what? We don't have to. We have a new week coming up in front of us. We'll talk all about the new season and what's pretty much happening as it as it un unravels before us. Um, and with that, FN competitive. I mean, yeah, dude, guys, we're we're pretty much easing our way into the end of the year right now. Um, hope you guys enjoyed all the competition stuff that we have been able to um see for the last eight months. It really has been an eventful one, all things considering. But who's who knows what's gonna happen next? We're just hoping for the best. So with that, don't forget to send all your complaints to me at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com. your boy Monster D face, uh Panda. Let the people at home know where they can find you, man. Twitter.com slash life w panda. That's where you can find me. Content starting this Friday. Friday the twenty fifth. Uh yeah. Content. Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm back. He's he's back for the tenth time this year, guys. Let's go. His <laughs> his monthly return. Let's get it. Uh SVG. What do you got to, bro? Um, I'm gonna restart my own podcast where I talk to people and you know, just glaze over the, the stuff that they've done in their career and thank you. Um, really looking forward to doing that again. I have some free time. Don't plan on traveling for the next few months. So I'm at home. Might as well talk to some people. You two will be on there. I'll ask you at some point. I, I like you guys. I like talking to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and just talking about the return of content, actually, I started dropping dark and darker content on YouTube. I just dropped my first video in like two years. It feels like, like where I actually sat down and, and cared about making content. Um, it's not going to stop and I love the game. So I have something that is actually piquing my interest. Second video dropping maybe tomorrow, maybe today depends. I have one more voiceover to do and then we're launching it. So anyways, uh, enjoy guys. The video is basically explaining what that game is. I think you guys are going to love the trailer. It's an introductory video for the community. So, um, until next time y'all don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory Royales. Peace fam.